All right, so the series is Growing in Christ, and um, our scripture for this series comes out of Colossians chapter 2, verse 6 and 7. I'm just going to hit that real quick. If you want to get it out, you can, but I'm going to move right on. It says, Colossians 2, 6, Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, having been firmly rooted and now being built up in him and established in your faith, just as you were instructed and overflowing with gratitude. I feel the Lord saying, read that again. So, therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, having been firmly rooted and now being built up in him and established in your faith, just as you were instructed and overflowing with gratitude. All right, so that's for the whole series, and the mind of Christ is part of that, being built up, being firmly established, being rooted. We're going to go over a handful of things, aspects of Christ and our relationship with him, right, Jason? So what I want to boil this down to here, I have a bunch of notes, um, but the main thing as I was thinking about it with the Lord is this question. If you're considering the mind of Christ, think of God's question to you. How would I think about this? How would I think about this? And fill in the blank, whatever this is, you know, about you or your life or specific issues or relationships. But I, when, I, when he said that too, or when I felt that in my heart, this picture of the Father just leaning forward like I'm doing to Rachel right now and just with this warm smile and saying, how would I think about this? And I want you guys to think of that, right? This is a great, this, if you remember nothing else but this line from today, wait a minute, how would the father think about this? And you imagine, you make it relational, so you imagine in whatever it is you're thinking about or processing, you imagine being face-to-face with the Father, Him having a heartwarming smile, and just saying, how would I think about this? Man, that'll save you a lot of trouble right there. Just saying. And um, I want to, you know, think about this. How many times do we actually stop and ask the father that question when we're going through stuff when we're spiraling out when we're fearful of something when we're on the struggle bus when we're depressed right how many times do we stop and ask how you know how would you think about this father and uh that's not to be a shame and blame or condemnation for not doing that that's just a oh yeah i probably should do that right How many of you know that his thoughts are higher than your thoughts? How many of you know that his mind is just way bigger and way better than yours? (laughs) How many know that his thoughts are so entrancing, extraordinary, excellent, and amazing I guess that's the end of my question. I didn't know where to go after that. (laughs) Love you too. Thank you, Will. So that's our first question. The main point, how would I think about this, the Father says. And you can use that question 
at any time, anywhere, and in any circumstance. And you may have things rise up in your mind of, well, what if I feel like I can't hear God? Or what if I don't know what he's saying? And you know what? Those are, well, that's a valid question. And it's like a discipleship and mentoring question. It's something you learn as you go forward in Christ. But we, I guarantee you, if that question feels overwhelming or difficult, it's because you're overthinking it. I'll just leave it at that. The Father loves to speak to you. He loves to bring a scripture to mind. He loves to speak to you through someone else. He loves to speak to your heart. He loves to put a thought in your head. You're going to figure it out. You're going to get it. If you struggle with that at all, no big deal. Just keep going. You're going to get it with God. And then the second thing is, after that question, how would I think about this? The question to ask yourself is, what is the Father really after in this area? What is the Father really after in this area? What do I mean by that? I mean, uh, more than likely, our thoughts are going to go directly towards what's the quickest and best resolution of this problem or this issue in my life, right? And then we're probably going to be tempted to jump right into prayer and say, God, would you just take this away? Would you just slay my enemies, Lord? <laughs> you say it in your word. No, I'm teasing. Um, you know, but that's going to be our, that we're going to think towards, we're going to, if we're not careful, we're likely going to default towards the carnal mind, the worldly mind, and we're going to want to make any pain or discomfort or confusion or uncertainty or fear or doubt. We want to just try to sweep it out as quickly as possible. But if you stop long enough to say, wait, how are you thinking about this father and hear from his, you know, heart or just begin to align your thoughts with his and you consider what is the father really after in this area? You're going to open yourself up to a treasure trove that you didn't even know was there. Because God uses the circumstances of our life to do life with us. We build relationship with him. We become like Christ via what we walk through. God uses the circumstances of our life to do life with us. We grow and become like Christ through what we walk through. Right? doesn't happen in a vacuum. That's how we learn what he's like. That's how we learn how these truths apply to us personally. I could sit here, stand here and tell you about the Father and how wonderful and incredible he is. I could tell you about how he's changed everything about me and how much I treasure his love. I could tell you all the scriptures that have become real to me because I've experienced it with him and what him and I have walked through together and how I've come to know him. I can do that all day long. And there's value in you having an example and you hearing it from other believers. But you don't get to know someone intimately and personally because of what you hear from them secondhand or hear of them secondhand. Amen?
So each one of you here get to have an overwhelmingly incredible, direct, one-on-one connection and relationship with your Father in Heaven. And man, He is so enamored with you. He thinks about you all the time, Hannah. Thinks about all of you all the time. You're on his mind. His affections towards you are without limit. The joy that he has when he thinks about you is boundless. The beauty that he sees in your life and how he's made you is extravagant. The satisfaction he feels when he spends time with you and gets to just be with you is rich. Beloved, your father, he's really into you and he loves spending time with you. Don't ever forget that. You're a joy and a delight to him. So what is the Father really after in this area of my life? You allow the mind of Christ to begin to rise up, which is what God is thinking about it, what God's seeing, what God's after. You can say, oh, you're wanting to actually work with me through this anxiety and free me from this anxiety. So instead of just sweeping this thing out, you're going to walk with me through it. And not only am I going to get the outcome I want of freedom and I'm going to get blessing and joy instead of anxiety, I'm going to get the even greater outcome, the true gold of walking through it with you and getting to know you and becoming closer and having my trust increase and having our love grow. It's good, huh? It's good, Aaron. That's where you're at, bro. God's walking with you, hand in hand. The Father's just saying, we're going to walk through this together. All of it. So if you get these two things right, remember how God would think about this and what he's really after in an area of your life. You get those two questions right, you will grow extraordinarily in Jesus and in your life. If you get those two things right and you keep walking that out, you'll be amazed. It'll be incredible. You'll outpace your own development timeline in the spirit. Scripture says, Romans 12, verse 2, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. In order to be transformed by the renewing of our mind, we must learn and live in the mind of Christ. I'm going to dive into some teaching here, just straight teaching, so just going to boom, boom. 
hit you guys. If it feels like a lot, go back and listen to the podcast. <laughs> you know you have permission. It's legal to listen to something 10, 15, 20 times. I've done that before. I've had messages that have so been, God's so been on them. I'm like, I'm going to stick with this until I mind this thing. There's a blessing on that. Listen to this. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not wage battle according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but divinely powerful. Everyone say divinely powerful. For the destruction of fortresses. We are destroying arguments and all arrogance raised against the knowledge of God. And we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. That's 2 Corinthians 10, verse 3 through 5. So in Christ, listen to this. We take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. So, in Christ, we keep all of our thinking inside the boundaries of what God is like and who God is for us. It's coming. In Christ, we keep all of our thinking Inside the boundaries of what God is like and who God is for us. Do you think Jesus ever had a thought outside of that? What the Father was like and who the Father was for him? Every thought was captive to that. Tracy, can I go as far as to uh, suggest to all of us that all other thinking for a believer is illegal and ineligible? (laughs) Think about that. What if every other thought that's outside of who God is for us and what God is like, what's true about what he's done in Christ, right? What if every other thought is illegal and ineligible? Ineligible means not fit to be considered or to be applied. Whoa. (laughs) What if you were so on track in the mind of Christ that just that other stuff, boom, couldn't even stick to you just like this speeding train going and let's see like these darts coming but they just ping 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 they bounce off of it so when you get weird thoughts now you're just gonna go ping 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 come on dude look our key here is to work with the holy spirit in discerning and identifying false beliefs and thought patterns And then let the truth and our heavenly reality displace those things. One one word for this is reframing. And as one of my mentors, Graham Cook, has said, the way we think rules our life. So our mindset is either a fortress for the enemy or it's a temple for the living God. And here's a critical implication, you guys. Hear this. This is not, the onus is not just on you and your strength of your thought power and the, how big your brain is. All of this is a divinely empowered process 
as 2 Corinthians 10 showed us, which I read earlier. And all this is only doable in the context of our relationship with God. Consider 2 Peter 1.4 right here, which gives us this important reality. It says, for his divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness. Whose power? His divine power. Through the true knowledge of him, that's what God is like, right? who he is, who called us by his own glory and excellence. Through these, he has granted to us his precious and magnificent promises so that by them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world because of lust. Okay, what did I say? This is a divinely empowered process. 2 Corinthians 10.4 tells us that. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but divinely powerful for the destruction of those fortresses, those thought patterns, right? So I said it there, and again we see it, what I just read. 2 Peter 1.4, for his divine power has granted to us everything. Through these he has granted to us his precious promises so that you may become partakers of the divine nature. So... Outside of partaking of his divine nature and relationship with God, it's not possible. So it's an encouragement. This is divinely empowered. And beloved, he is so 120% committed to this. Even on your worst days where you're just like flubbing it left and right. (laughs) He doesn't change. He's got his game face on every morning with joy and delight to walk with you in this. So it's like entering into a partnership where your partner just every single day, they're all in. They're 100%. You know, they're ready to go. It's the best thing ever. That's what we have. Divine partakers or divine uh, partners in the divine nature is another way that that's said in some, um, some translations. So... You're no longer subject to your old nature or your old way of thinking. So the Bible teaches us. So you're not subject to any of the feelings, any of the thoughts, or any of the experiences of this world or of your old nature. Consider some of these scriptures. I'm just going to blast these out. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. That's Colossians 3.1. Ephesians 2, 4 through 6 says, But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you've been saved. And then raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Your life is in Christ. Colossians 3, 2 through 3, set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth, for you have died. It's your old nature. And your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. And Romans chapter 6, verse 10, 11 says, for the death Christ died, he died to sin for us once and for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Man, there are so many more. We could have stuck on that for 10 minutes. Just scriptures that just drive it home. The truth. Romans uh, chapter 6, I once counted it. It's nine different times in a short chapter that Paul points to, you're dead, you're dead, you're dead, you're dead, you're dead, you're dead. 
in different language with the same thing over and over again. And that's not just in Romans 6. It's around other chapters around that. And it's all through the New Testament. So this is good news for us because it means we don't have to try to take the long route through our old nature and figure out how to one day get into the thoughts of Christ. We don't have to do that. It's like climbing up the mountain the long way around when there's a ski lift that'll take you right to the top. Come on, though. I've done it. We've all done it. It's okay. It's a wonderful thing about being loved by a patient God. that you never bum him out. He doesn't get frustrated with you. He's never over it. He never even starts to second guess his kind intentions towards you. His promise towards you. Who he has chosen to be and how he has chosen to show up every single time. He's always going to show up in love and in grace and in goodness and in compassion, in self-control, in faithfulness and gentleness, all the fruits of the Spirit in Galatians 5, right? The fruits of the Spirit, the fruits of who God is. He's, and who he is, he is all the time without changing. Scripture says that Jesus Christ is the same, what? Yesterday, today, and forever. He does not change. And in Malachi God says, I, the Lord, change not. Therefore, you, O sons of Jacob, are not consumed. He does not change. His love is unchanging. So, the good news is, if you ever feel like your life or your mind or your emotions are a roller coaster, (laughs) you're in partnership with someone who's way bigger than you who does not have that problem. And his intent is to make you like him. (laughs) And he is able, more than able, right? He's so able to accomplish what concerns you today. (laughs) Every once in a while, these old church songs just pop up in me. I'm like, I love this stuff. He's so good. Anybody having fun? Come on. Woo. Felt that in the spirit. Thank you, Lord. Look at the key again here. You're no longer in your old nature, so you're not subject to its way of feeling, thinking, or experiencing uh, things. So what are some of the implications of this truth? Some. Let's just hit a few. In your new nature, you have full permission to experience and indulge in possibilities in God that seem impossible and in divine opportunities that represent the opposite of whatever negative you're facing. In the spirit realm, we don't get rid of a negative by focusing on it. We get rid of it by focusing on its replacement. That echoes the displacement that I talked about from uh, the first key. Another implication, the old way of thinking and feeling is based in the accusations and the beliefs of your old nature, whereas the new thoughts and the new voice from your new nature is the Holy Spirit within. So that means um, both a sanctioning and an invitation are engendered by this. 
It's a sanctioning to fully, because it gets a little wordy here, English-wise, stick with me. It's a sanctioning to fully eschew the old and to discontinue any acknowledgement of it. Uh, Sanctioning means to give official permission or approval for an action. And yes, I wrote this. I didn't plagiarize it, but I realized it was a little wordy. But I liked it. A sanctioning to fully eschew. Eschew means to get rid of, to let go of, to push aside. So you have official permission and approval by God to fully let go of and kick to the curb any of the old thoughts, old feelings, and old patterns, and to discontinue any acknowledgement of it. You don't even have to acknowledge it, beloved. When it comes, you don't have to get your wrestling clothes on and jump in the ring. You don't even have to acknowledge it. You have permission to keep your eyes fixed, Danny, on Jesus, who is the author and who is the perfecter and the finisher of your faith. You have full permission every single time to say, I am in Christ, and that is not true about me. I am loved by my Father, and that's where I stand. I'm going to think the way God thinks because every other thought is illegal and ineligible. I'm not even going there. Shoo. Somebody give Abba a Shabba. Come on. Shoo. Look at guys, this is an invitation by God and it's all over the Bible. An invitation to step into an entirely new space that is attached to your born again self where all things have been made new, according to 2 Corinthians 5.17, and which is linked to the 1 Peter 1 reality of being given new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Christ Jesus from the dead. I have another list of implications that I'm going to drop for time's sake. (laughs) But there's a lot of them. There's a lot of these kind of things. This is why the mind of Christ, why we pay attention to this kind of thing, Again, it brings back to, you know, that's that scripture that says, as a person thinks in their heart, so are they, right? It says in the original translations, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. So there's this powerful thing attached to how we think. Jason's talked about it too, the battlefield of the mind, the mind of Christ. How important, many of you have talked about it, how important where our thinking is, where our thinking goes, and where our thinking stays. Can I just give you permission again? Can I give you permission to plant that stake in the ground right in the middle of the Father, the Jesus, the Jesus, and the Holy Spirit (laughs) and never move it again? And if the enemy tries to come move it, say, ha, you're not getting through them three. Honestly, You have permission to put every thought, to leave every thought, every belief right inside of God and never go anywhere else with it. Let the world call you a relentless optimist or a triumphalist or whatever they want to call you, right? Rose-colored glasses, etc., These are some old, anyway, 
who like it's the truth and the truth has set us free so let's live in it <laughs> man I want to read those but again moving on let's get into before we wrap here um Let's get into some stories and some examples of what this actually looks like. And then I'll wrap back and just hit those first two points again. That if you keep those with you, you'll be good. So here's a functional way of thinking about something in a different way. Or, you know, displacing old thought. Let's just, again, let's go back to reframing. Here's a functional example of reframing. Has anyone in here ever heard the phrase new levels, new devils? Anybody? So basic, Victoria's like, "Uh uh-huh, I've heard that one too many times. The, um, and you don't talk like that, I'm sorry. You're way cooler than that. Um, So the basic idea of new levels, new devils is something you'll hear sometimes in different church circles about, hey, you're, God's taking you to a new level, you're increasing, you're growing, you're gaining more favor and anointing, but that means there's going to be new devils to face, and you got, you know, it's like there's just the big bad guy out there, right? New levels, new devils. I've heard that so many stinking times. And the thing is, you start to, you start to uh, believe it, you know, in the, subconsciously. Oh man, I'm not fully sure I want to go to a new level because I don't know what that new devil's going to look like. Dang it. Does that sound like God? Yeah, it doesn't, does it? Amen, Rachel. What if instead, let's say, let's say you grew up hearing that, like me. What if you instead flip that, reframe that to new levels, new rebels? What's revel mean? Revel, we got some claps, I like it, I like it. Revel means to take intense pleasure or satisfaction. What if new levels meant new revels in God, in his goodness, in his grace, in his beauty, in my relationship with him, in joy and peace and righteousness like I've never known before. More than I could ask or imagine. What if all my thoughts and all my expectations, the mind of Christ would be so alive when a new level comes, I'm like, let's do it. New levels, new revels. I like that one. I think I'm going to keep that one. Let's think about this though. Because this is, this is an, it's, let's dive into this example just a bit. What are the expectations set by each of these statements? What's the reality that's inferenced by each of them? For example, is Satan the big bad devil to be feared that we hopefully can overcome? Or is Jesus the big awesome God who already has the victory and always leads us in triumph? why we got to start with a mindset at the outset whatever you're facing whatever you're going into set the mindset at the outset 
That's going to be my mindset going into new levels. Jesus is the big, awesome God who already has the victory and always leads me in triumph. I don't want to hesitate or feel anxious anymore because of that new devil's thing. And when I say that, I'm not saying I don't believe at all in, you know, opposition. But you guys get what I'm saying. It's one thing to say there's opposition. It's another thing to put it front and center over the door as you walk by. New levels, new devils. That's some crap. Okay. Jesus, you're the best. So this is a depiction of the critical importance of reframing as this seemingly simple distinction is a key difference maker. And consider this as well. The implication of each of those thoughts informs the rest of the downstream realities for us, including the thoughts we'll have about it, the emotions it generates, the expectations it sets, the fears that it conjures or eliminates, and the possibilities that it squashes or gives life to. Did you guys catch that? I know that was a lot. But the way you think about something, the way you approach it, the way you think going into it and through it, informs the rest of the downstream realities for you. Thoughts, emotions, expectations, fears, possibilities. It sets that stuff. That's why it's so important to be in the mind of Christ. To be in God's thoughts. Going back to that first thing. The Father saying, how would I think about this? And what is the Father really after in this area? Telling you that will set so much right and so much straight for you. And lead you in triumph and victory. Let me do, all right, Jason, we're at 37 minutes. Do I have time for one more short uh, actual story from my life about reframing, or should we land it? Short is probably three or four minutes. You sure? Okay, he's so gracious and kind. I love this guy. But I coulda, woulda stopped at 37. That's pretty good. But I know someone here is enjoying this. I know someone's resonating. All right, so um, I started a business with my wife uh, probably about 12, 13 years ago now. I had the Father's direct approval and blessing to step out into the unknown, to leave the jobs I had at the time, and to set full sail into this new adventure with him. I was stoked. However, in the first handful of months, I found myself plagued by the fear that if the business failed, I would be a failure, that it would be an indicator that I'm not enough and that I'm not capable of handling things at this level. But the reframe came from the father during a conversation with him in which he depicted to me the reality that he was treating me like a son and investing in my growth. This is what he said. I remember feeling so anxious many times and one morning I went on a long walk with him and he's finally we, where we ended up at outside a random commercial building in Oxnard. He sat me down and he said, son, here's how you've been thinking about this, but here's what I want you to see. Imagine me as a, as a father of an estate that's worth millions and millions and millions of dollars. You're my son. And I want to raise you up and train you up to one day be able to steward and handle this estate, the inheritance that'll be yours. So for me, to invest heavily in you right now, $100,000, $150,000 or more for you to learn and grow in the ways you need to, to one day be able to handle that is a no-brainer investment for me. 
I know you're going to make mistakes. I know you're going to blow money. I know you're going to do stuff that you'll look back and say that was stupid. But I'm making the investment anyway because it is so worth it. I have the long term in mind. And all day, every day, I would make this investment in you, son. Because I know who you're going to be one day. Even though you feel far from it right now. Someone needs to hear that. Maybe it's you, Matt. I know who you're going to be one day, even if you feel far from it right now, Father says. I tell you what, that reframe just flipped it for me. And all of a sudden, I began thinking, okay, I don't have to get it all right. I don't have to get all the finances perfect. I don't have to figure out all the you know, right ways to do business, and I have no idea what I'm doing. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put my best foot forward, you know, but I'm going to trust God. And I'm going to realize, no, this isn't even about whether this business succeeds, how well it does, you know, how amazingly things turns out. This is about my father intentionally, willingly, and excitedly investing in me and in who I'm going to become and in who he sees me to be in the future. And that right there is the power of thinking the way that God thinks, having the mind of Christ. Amen? So again, your two things. Say two things. Father says, how would I think about this? Let's make lots of opportunities to have these wonderful connections with the Father and bring, bring that question with him. And number two, what is the Father really after in this area? What's the deeper thing that he wants to bring forth and to grow and to bring breakthrough? If we get these as a community, if this is our family fruit together and in our lives with Jesus, we get these two things right in the mind of Christ. We're going to thrive abundantly and grow up into all things like never before. So let's do it. Amen.